Throughout this year, we are reading different sections of the Old Testament, specifically focusing on a number of different Old Testament characters. And I hope you are finding opportunity to, to learn a little bit more about some of these characters and, and, and maybe doing some of the additional reading that's uh, mentioned in the parish notes that you have. Today, the character is Rebecca, and we read part of her story from Genesis chapter 24. This was only the first part of the story. I encourage you at some point this week to read the rest of that chapter to have a little broader understanding of the rest of what took place with Rebecca. It's kind of a fascinating story, I think, and so what I want to do with this message is, is to focus on two things. First, a, l- a little summary of this story, and then maybe some application from this story. And as we begin to summarize the story a little bit, uh, let's look at the custom in those days, because this is a little unusual for us. We find that the servant of Abraham was asked to go and find a wife for Abraham's son, Isaac. Yes, it's kind of an arranged marriage here that maybe makes us a little uncomfortable, or it's certainly not what we're familiar with. It's not part of our custom, although maybe there's some parents who would rather arrange the marriage of who your child would be marrying, but that's just not a part of the way we generally do things. Let's get a little understanding of what's taking place here. Abraham is at a point in his life where he was near the end of his life. His wife, Sarah, had passed away three years before this. Their son, the son of the promise, Isaac, was about 40 years old, and Abraham believed it was time for him to get married. But before Abraham died, he wanted to make sure that Isaac was married and who he married. So he gave instructions to his servant to find a wife for Isaac. We don't have a name for the servant here, but if you go back in chapter 15 of Genesis, there's a servant there mentioned, Eliezer, and it's believed that he is the servant that Abraham went to to ask him to find a wife for Isaac. The whole arrangement here may be a little uncomfortable for us or a little unusual for us. It's odd, but that was the custom in that day. But I think the biggest part of this story is Abraham is insistent that in finding a wife for Isaac, there's no compromise that should happen here. Eliezer is asked to go back to the land that they came from to find a wife for Isaac go back to the home, their homeland because under no circumstances should Isaac marry a woman from the land of Canaan. For all practical purposes, maybe the best way to describe the Canaanite people is they were highly corrupt and deeply immoral. They worshipped idols and false gods. Sexual immorality was the norm of the day for them. They even practiced child sacrifice. There was no way that Abraham wanted a wife for his son to be found among these people. This was a non-negotiable for him. So Eliezer is to go back to their homeland, find a wife for Isaac. 
The servant asked Abraham, well, what if she doesn't want to come back with me? Can I take Abraham there? And Abraham was very insistent upon the fact that that's not what should happen. They are living in the land of promise, the land that they are living in, as grossly immoral as it is. This is where God had sent them. So Eliezer goes back to the land they came from, approximately 450 to 500 mile trip. And basically, there's about 450 to 500 miles between verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 10 reads, Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. And then many, 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 many days later, verse 11, he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town, It was towards evening, the time that the women go out to draw water. The servant has traveled almost 500 miles here. He's arrived at the town. He stops at the well just outside of town. And notice the first thing that he does. He prays. Verse 12 says, then he prayed. And what Eliezer prayed here is probably not the typical prayer that many parents would pray in searching for a spouse for their child, but nevertheless, this is what he prayed. Lord, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let, your jar, let down your jar that I may have a drink, And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Kind of unusual prayer. Not the kind of prayer we normally would think about in praying for a spouse for our child. But the prayer that the servant prayed here is exactly what happened next. And this is where I think the story gets a little interesting because we learn some things about the character of the main person, Rebecca, in this story. We're told earlier in the story that when Abraham sent his servant out, he sent him with ten camels. And we know that at the end of a day's journey, at the end of a day, a camel can drink anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons of water. And so when with these 10 camels that were sent, and each could drink between 10 and 30 gallons of water, Rebecca, when she said she was willing to draw water for the camels, she is literally saying that she's willing to gather as much as 300 gallons of water. Now, she would have to have a container that she could comfortably carry. Maybe it would hold about five gallons. And so if it held five gallons and she's going after 200 or more gallons, she would make 40 or more trips between the well and where she's uh, pouring the water out for the camels. But remember, this is happening at the end of the day when other women are trying to get water as well. So every time Rebecca goes to get water from the well, and then she pours it out for the camel, she goes back, stands in line behind the other woman, gets to her place to get the water, goes and pours it for the camels. It probably 
is about two to three hours of her time that Rebecca gave of herself when she said to the servant, and I will draw water for your camels too. It kind of makes us tired just listening to it, doesn't it? I think what it says to us about the character of Rebecca is she did what she was asked to do and then some. That was her character. She did what she was asked to do and then some. And many times for us, we are asked to do something and we would like to do less than what we, would, we were asked to do, but she does even more. Let's go back to this arranged marriage for a minute, and I think we can learn a couple of more things about the character both of Rebecca and the character of Isaac. Eliezer recognized that Rebecca is the one that would be marrying Isaac, so he asked about her family, and she invites him to come to her home. The servant has conversations with her parents, and they agree to let their daughter go. But before they do, they say this. Let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. What I want to point out there is this is not a forced marriage. Even though the custom in that day was arranged marriages, both parties had to agree to it. And here we see a Rebecca agreed. But if you look at the very end of chapter 24, as we read where Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother Sarah, and he married Rebecca, so she became his wife, and he loved her. She became his wife, and he loved her. This was Isaac's response to Rebecca as his wife. Interestingly, this is the second time, this is only the second time the word love is used so far in the Old Testament. In the first 24 chapters of the book of Genesis, it's only mentioned one, uh, one other time. Let's make a little application to this story in our lives. And the first thing is, I think we have to focus on what Abraham is pointing to here of no compromise. As I look out this morning, I recognize that there are many couples who are married to each other, and that means that at some point earlier in your life, you made that decision. And I would simply say to you today, honor that decision that you made. But I also know that as I look out today, I'm talking to some people who aren't married. Maybe some young people, maybe some single people, maybe some people who haven't made that decision yet in your life. And as you come to that, I, when you come to that, I simply want to encourage this. No compromise. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when it comes to dating somebody or ultimately when you get married to someone, don't compromise. If you confess faith in Jesus as your Savior, when it comes to dating somebody or when you get married to someone, don't compromise. If you love the Lord, 
your Savior Jesus Christ, if you read His Word, if you pray to Him, if you have a relationship with Him, when it comes in your life to date somebody or eventually marry someone, don't compromise. You so, see, I think that what this story helps us to realize is that our faith is not something that is intended to be compartmentalized. We don't just pull it out on Sunday morning when it's convenient and then put it back for the rest of the week. This is to be the life heart, the life beat of our life, our faith relationship with Jesus Christ. Look back at the gospel reading that we heard earlier about the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. For a number of different reasons, all of which we don't know, she didn't always make some of the best choices in life, and that happened at least five times. But one day, Jesus shows up and has a conversation with her and has made such an impression on her that it says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Once she met Jesus, it made a difference in her life. Jesus came to her, and He spoke to her, and He offered words of forgiveness and acceptance to her. It made such a difference in her life, she couldn't help but tell others. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, When it comes time for you to decide who you marry, I want you to hear the church saying, don't compromise. But I also want to say to those who are currently married, it is not always easy at times. There can be difficulties along the way. But I want to go back to what we read about in the last part of Genesis 24, Rebecca became Isaac's wife and he loved her. And he loved her. You know, sometimes marriage isn't just about marrying the person you love, but it's also choosing to love the person you married. Let me say that again. Marriage isn't just about marrying the person you love, but it's also choosing to love the person you marry. And that, too, is no compromise. I think from this story, we have some applications for our own lives about not compromising, but I think we also have some applications about character, both for us and what we see in the character of God. Certainly, what we saw from Rebecca is the character that she displayed is one of, she was a, she was a servant. She was a servant leader. St. Michael has been participating in a series of information sessions, leadership sessions over this last couple of months. And we had a speaker here at St. Michael uh, several weeks ago who spoke about, about the topic of humbler leadership. And he had four characteristics of humbler leadership, but the very last thing that he said, which I think has application here, is 
humbler leadership is seeing that there's a purpose greater than yourself. There's a purpose greater than yourself. And you can't tell me some woman who spent three hours hauling water for a bunch of camels doesn't recognize that there's a purpose greater than herself. That was part of Rebecca's character. But I think when we talk about this kind of character, servant-hearted leadership character, it also points us to the very character of God that we see displayed to us. In Philippians chapter 2, we read, your attitude, talking to, the Apostle Paul is talking to us, your attitude is to be the same as that of Christ Jesus, taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross for you. Talk about servant leadership. Talk about humbler leadership. Talk about seeing a greater purpose beyond himself. That greater purpose is you. In another verse, I mentioned this last week, but I want to lift this up again. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give you all things? You see, what that verse says to us is that Jesus has taken care of the greatest need you and I will ever have in life, and that is our eternal salvation. There is no need whatsoever for any of us to worry about eternal life because Jesus has taken care of that. But He also daily provides for you. He also speaks to you through His Word. He's also given to you His Holy Spirit to guide you in your life. He also answers your prayers. He also comforts you in your times of need. Jesus has given to you all that you need, and then some. Because that's the kind of character your God has as He displays His love for you. He loves you and then some. He saved you, and then some. He forgives you, and then some. He is with you always, and then some. That's the kind of God we have, and thanks be to God we do. In Jesus' name, amen.